for Nashville. The MVP shrugs his shoulders, approaches, shoots, scores! Hani Mukhtar with a stoppage time PK winner for Nashville SC. The boys in gold win in Charlotte 2-1. Now eight games undefeated. Six of them wins. Can't wait to recap a wild six-point week for the boys in gold. This is Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who cover the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. I'm Wes Bowling. And I'm Tim Sullivan, the proprietor of ClubCountryUSA.com. Tim, Nashville dominates Miami, is uh, unfortunate to give up a late goal to ruin mm-hmm. the clean sheet in a 2-1 win. And then as nail-bitey as a 2-1 win can be in Charlotte a few days later. And this one meant a lot, I think, Tim, to Nashville, beating Charlotte 2-1 after a game last year, a 4-1 loss that really, really stuck in their crawl. I think they are very happy to win that Southern rivalry for the first time. Yeah, we mentioned it last week, but uh, a 4-1 loss was not really a 4-1 loss. Effectively an empty netter there, too. Um, Charlotte has been a really, really good home team and a a pretty poor road team over the course of their um, year and a half-ish now. And Nashville was on the receiving end of that last year, and, and fortunately for them, uh, this weekend they managed to exercise some of those demons and and not only play a pretty even game but come away with three points and that's something that um you'll you'll never frown on getting three points in a league game so um they'll be very excited about that on April 15th we were recapping a Nashville SC loss in New York at that point the boys in gold were around seventh place in the table since then they haven't lost and in all competitions again that's eight matches six wins in nashville now fifth in the eastern conference in xg it's not a number that's going to make your eyes pop out of your skull but it's an improvement as this team really tim seems to be coming into its own as you look at recent matches every match since that 3-1 win over atlanta every match but one nashville scored multiple goals the attack coming into itself not just at home where you'd expect it but also starting to emerge maybe just a little bit on the road yeah, and it's important to keep in mind that this team's calling card is always going to be defense, and and maybe a little bit of the defensive performances have slipped a tiny bit, I guess. You can look at that last-minute goal uh, for Miami, which was literally on the on the second-to-last kick of the game. It would have been the last kick of the game if, if the official was willing to whistle it after that. <laughs> it was that close to the end of uh, full-time uh, after uh, – sorry, after stoppage time, excuse me. And then on um, Saturday evening, the the goal that Nashville gave up was kind of another uncharacteristic one. Oof. And then it yeah. was pretty much locked down from there until kind of the late stages where Charlotte was really throwing anything against the wall. And Nashville wasn't doing that and, and still managed to be the one that found the winner. But it is a situation where, yes, the attack is getting a little bit more prolific, but it hasn't come too much at the expense of the defensive effort. And that's what Nashville is going to hang his hat on. I'll be honest though. When Charlotte scored that early goal, basically, I thought it was, I thought it was going to be an ugly match. Me too. That's where I was going. I thought it was, I thought it was on, first of all, it's on artificial turf, which I realized now as I revisit, it will shock you to learn that Gary Smith complained about it. I noticed that. I noticed that. And and see, he's consistent. This is not just an excuse when he loses. For those of you who want to say that, they won the game, and he still complained about it. Um, and but, but I've revisited that because I have this idea in my head that Nashville struggles on turf. And no, it's not always pretty. Look at those dual uh, nil-nil games in New England, for example. But then you think about it. 
they rarely lose on artificial surfaces mm-hmm. and they've had some big wins. They blow out Vancouver on the road last year. They beat Seattle last season, of course, in the season opener. They've played well against Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium with They won. They won that, baby. We got the Daniel Rios celebration. That's right. They won and they've drawn there as well in comeback fashion, just one loss and that was like game four of franchise history, so I'm not sure that really counts in our analysis. So as much as Gary Smith loves to demean the artificial surface, maybe they're going to start. They're, they're going to put it in at Jonas Park, actually. It's the artificial <laughs> turf, it, Jonas Park. You heard is it he sandbagging? We may never know. <laughs> well, you can't sandbag artificial turf. It's not really good for the it doesn't do anything rubber pellet bagging. <laughs> uh, end use markets for rubber modified asphalt and scrap tires. I can tell you all. Yeah, about I was, was going to say you're you're the you're the tire guy. <laughs> this That's is it. this is your wheel. Well, we are going to re. Tire that line of conversation and move back to soccer <laughs> oof it's late guys and it's a vicious circle uh, we're going to revisit our expectations in the early shout for this month as the month now has just somehow already uh one uh, regular season match left in addition to open cup we'll get you ready for that open cup showdown in miami for those of you who are listening bright and early on tuesday of course the game tuesday night 6 30 central time before the boys in gold have a little bit more of a break they host columbus on sunday at 7.30 p.m. local time. In the mailbag, we're going to talk about what the ceiling could be for this Nashville team as we're starting to see this team obviously go into a run of form that makes people think about top two, top three, supporter shield. Uh, What do we think this team could possibly accomplish and what if the worst case scenario comes true and Walker, McNaughton, Shaq Moore all get called up to the national teams for Nations League or heaven forbid for Gold Cup. There are some... uh, Potential troubling scenarios for this team as well. We'll briefly go outside in before celebrating the first win in Huntsville history in their first ever home match. Tim, you ready to get into it? Born ready. I first have a funny story about ML Rose. I was at a non ML Rose establishment um, this past weekend, actually during the Nashville SC match. I've rewatched. I'm I'm up to speed on all that. And I was watching actually from the restaurant when I ran into a uh, another Nashville SC friend, and I won't name him because I don't know if he wants to be named here. Uh, he looks at me. I'm not in any Nashville SC attire or anything. He looks at me. He goes, I'm surprised to see you here. <laughs> and I didn't know if it was I'm surprised to see you here or I'm surprised to see you here. Was it it's during it's during the game. Why are you not covering or watching Nashville SC in, in person? Or was it I'm surprised to see you at not ML Rose? And uh, let me tell you, the experience was not amazing. There were about 100 TVs in this place. Not a single one had the game on. Shame on them. ML Rose, that's where I'm going next game. Because it was a friend's birthday party. I didn't control the destination. But I will pick a different one next time for my friend. Just to be very clear on where we need to go during a soccer match. Yeah, and and we talk about it a lot. But it it is important to to kind of think about it in the abstract, which is a lot of places in Nashville, if you go there and you ask them to put on the soccer game, those that can, those <laughs> that have access to the game, which is not going to be a ton of them, they'll do it for you. At ML Rose, you don't have to ask. They have it on. They are ready for it. They are waiting for Nashville SC fans to, to walk in the door and, and start ordering uh, the, the beers, the the whiskeys, uh, hopefully hopefully just one or two whiskeys over the course of the match, um, mm. the Carolina Suites, all the things that we talk about every week. ML Rose is, is not kind of 
going along to get along. They are invested in being a soccer bar and being a Nashville SC um, meeting place. And that's something that we have appreciated about them um, since before they sponsored the podcast, but certainly now that they sponsor the podcast even more <laughs> do we appreciate that. And it's something that um, you, you obviously experienced the, the other side of that this weekend. Never gave uh, 104.5 the courtesy shout, by the way, for that uh, that opening goal, uh, Mukhtar's winner, uh, to open our show. So uh, thanks to them for that. I did listen on the radio on the way home. The second half, great work by by Will and Jaleel Anababa. And Hani Mukhtar reflected on his 50th regular season goal in Major League Soccer after the match. You know that um, for me, every goal counts, even if it's Open Cup or, you know, playoff ga- uh, goal. So... For me personally, I have reached 50 goals a long time ago, last season. Um, I posted it on my social media um, because I believe that every every game, which is an official game, uh, should count. Uh, but I'm very happy to, to score 50 regular season goals. And that begins our early shout as uh, Tim Haney just did stuff again and assist against Miami. Uh, dominant once again against Charlotte in scoring the game winner. And... I mean, I got to say, this is a guy who started slow last year, and we said, don't worry about it, and he won the MVP. Started not quite as slow, but a little bit slowly this year. He's in full form now. Eight goals, I believe eight assists as well. Is he the MVP front runner right now, or do you still look like a guy like Boanga being the you know, the best player, highest scorer on arguably the best team? Yeah, I think Boanga is, is the top guy right now. and And then for... Potential other Hani competitors, maybe right behind Bawanga, you look at Atlanta and you could either say Tiago Almada, uh, who is is not going to be here come September, right. <laughs> if either of us uh, has our predictions correct, or um, Georgios Giacomakis is a guy who um, could carry that torch. Um, I, other than that, uh, I mean, the way Hani's trajectory is, is pointed due upwards, just like it has been the past couple seasons. Um, I think you and I both feel like um, he didn't get it maybe a fair shake uh, during the 2021 season. And, um, you know, the third most valuable player on new England was apparently the most valuable (laughs) player in the league. And well, that's, that's a story for another podcast. I don't know which episodes we talked about. We talked about it. That other podcast <laughs> is uh, MLS Extra Time. That's the story. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I'm saying I'm, I'm saying the aggrievement uh, we've talked about yes. many times. Before, no, yes, but yes, yes. If, if Hani keeps this up, not only the production that he's had so far, but also the upward trajectory and, and look where Nashville has gone. Look where, for example, Atlanta has gone. Even look at LAFC. They haven't been quite as prolific in the past couple weeks here. I still think they're going to be really good. I still think they are going to win the Western Conference running away. Mm-hmm. But if Nashville is able to to kind of compete with that on a team level in the Eastern Conference, I think Hani has a really good chance to to get and remain in the MVP conversation, even if he's not the front runner as we speak uh, on you know Monday, May 22nd, or as you listen to it on, on Tuesday, May 23rd. And what could make the difference in getting him a back-to-back MVP award or making him a finalist is Nashville's ability to him to do what they did against Miami, especially in that first half. When Miami followed the Cincinnati blueprint, when Cincinnati came to Jonas Park, sit back and make Nashville break you down. Don't give them chances to spring traps. Part of that, I think, was due to the fact that Miami scored two road goals all year, now three, and they knew that they weren't going to be much of a threat, so they might as well sit back and be tough to beat and counter when they could. But I looked over at my good buddy, fellow Golden Goal founder, Glenn Judah, uh, and I at 15 minutes in, when Nashville had 66% of the ball, we both said, that's not good. That's not the stat Nashville wants. And yet, the boys in gold get their goal in the first half. 
Miami doesn't take a single shot until about 60 minutes in. And that shot ended up almost in the Cumberland River. And this team doesn't play at Nissan <laughs> Stadium anymore. Uh, it was a dominant performance, partially because Miami allowed it. But the difference here, Tim, in this and so many other past Nashville matches, even this year, was that Nashville got its goal. They were able to successfully get past the defense. Yeah, and I'm not going to deny that uh, the the quality of Miami <laughs> played a, a oh, significant role of, in that. But yeah. this Nashville team is more comfortable playing in multiple different ways. We saw it in, in both games this week. We saw it against Charlotte as well. They They didn't quite dominate the ball in the first half, but they definitely had more of the ball in the first half. Even with Charlotte um, winning, even with the game state re-evened after the 39th minute, this is a situation where Nashville said, if you're going to make us play with the ball, we have the ability to do that. We can we can have Jack Mayer and Lucas McNaughton pass it back and forth a lot, which happened a ton <laughs> against Charlotte, not as yeah. much against Miami. But this Nashville team in the past would say, we don't want to do that. We want to bang the ball forward. We want to make something happen. And we're not quite... Red Bulls, for example, although that's another <laughs> team that managed to uh, frustrate Nashville offensively very early in the year, like you mentioned before. But it is a situation where Nashville is, is not only getting more comfortable playing with the ball at their feet, but they're being more patient about it. And that's something that has not always been the case. There has been sort of a, a, a feeling where if they aren't getting it done right away, they don't really know what to do. And they've really come around and, and managed to find multiple ways to to score, to win, to get results. Yeah, it's three games in Nashville's last four. They ended up either even on possession, which happened once, or ahead in possession, uh, dating back to the 3-0 win over Chicago. And I uh, find that pretty interesting because it wasn't exactly a game state thing in any of those cases. I mean, Nashville, I, I guess, went behind against Charlotte, obviously, you know, before evening things. But Charlotte, not one of those. Well, they were 50-50 in XG against Charlotte. So not the starkest, exam- starkest examples. This team, as you said, trying to to build more cohesion on the ball. And I have to think that the ability of the wings to spread things uh, out a little bit is helping them there. It spreads the field. It enables more room in the middle of the pitch to, to work the ball around. And as you mentioned, the center backs getting some nice love and nice opportunity to <laughs> develop their cohesion in the absence of Walker Zimmerman as well. And then we go to Charlotte and Hani Mukhtar does Hani Mukhtar things. Yeah, I mean, he's always going to do Hani Mukhtar things. Anything he does is a Hani Mukhtar thing by definition, right? But um, the the goal that he scored was... It's weird because in the past couple seasons, even though um, in 2021 we felt like he potentially deserved to be MVP, and last season he obviously did end up being MVP, there wasn't like this this dude is just going to dominate a game sort of moment that it might not have felt like that first goal, but he he takes a half volley on a lofted ball and just says, whatever, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to swing away. And um, thank you to Bill Tuiloma for making it count, but <laughs> he's honey is uniquely capable of, of taking over a game in multiple ways. Yes. He scores. Yes. He assists. But the thing that kind of goes unrewarded from that is the fact that he can get the ball into the attacking third and he'll just do a ton of step overs, a ton of scissors. And he's going to possess the ball a little bit more than the opponent opposing defense thinks is going to happen. He's not necessarily going to turn that immediately into a goal scoring opportunity, but he's going to pass it to a teammate and they're going to recycle the ball around and Hani is just the heartbeat of the team, both um, you know, in terms of actually scoring and in terms of making sure his team retains opportunities to score. And it's something that is is 
I mean, every team would love to have a guy like that. Obviously Nashville does have one and it's maybe more important than you really think, especially for a team like Nashville that is not going to go out and win games um, six zero or whatever Columbus has done a couple times this year. They're going to go out and win two one a lot of times. And, and whether that's because Hani dominates or because Nashville does just enough, which is I, I, you can look at the Miami game and then the Charlotte game to say they dominate and then they do just enough. And he's the guy who is going to make sure that that last little edge is exactly enough to, to get the victory. What was meaningful against Charlotte was that uh, it was Nashville's first come from behind win since SKC early in 2022, April 9th of 2022, Sporting Kansas City went up 1-0. Nashville came back. And- <laughs> he's giving me a look. I I, I, get, I put so little stock in that stat because it's I mostly a Nashville SC rarely goes down stat. I know. Which like, yes, I know. When you do go down, you want to be able to come back, but rarely going down is more valuable than no, coming back when on the rare occasion that you do. Uh, statistically, you're right, but there are also a few chances to come from behind and show that resiliency. And so when they do, I still think it's a lift yeah. for the team. Yeah, right? when they do, when they do, it's still good. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it is better to do that. I agree. <laughs> I mean, we saw this team go down in Charlotte last year and lose 4-1. So I, I think it's a positive. But, but I think it does. I mean, I know it's not like it's the first time in 25 matches that Nashville's gone down and come from behind and won. I get all that. Nonetheless, I, it seems like based on Gary Smith's postgame comments, he took extra gratification out of taking these three points in Charlotte. He was, I, I don't think embarrassed is too strong a word by the team's display in Charlotte last year. And so I think this is a lift for two reasons then. Number one, it's it's a comeback. Number two, it's against a team where you had a very, very poor showing last year. I think this might be the most uplifting result for this team in this whole stretch. I know you beat Atlanta 3-1. That's awesome. Yeah. You beat up on Miami. They do nothing to you. Honey gets a hat trick in Chicago with all those. I think this is the most important result so far in May for this team. You agree? You disagree? I, yeah, I think for like the emotional reasons, yes. And, and for a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned, how it went last year, um, how how this Charlotte team plays at home. They get really confident the instant they set foot into uh, M.O. Rose Stadium presented by the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> um, but when they go ahead early in a game in M.O. Rose Stadium presented by the Carolina Panthers, they are really tough to beat. For Nashville to say, hey, look, we understand what you did to us last year. We understand that you're a really good home team. And they are a really good home team, even this year. They suck on the road, but they are a really good home team. And Nashville just said, hey, we we are Nashville Soccer Club. We are not going to let that beat us. And that is something that probably they haven't always had in the past. And I think that's why Gary was so proud of of not only exercising the demons of 4-1, but being able to do something that... Fairly or not, a lot of people think Nashville can't do. So you're saying that while Charlotte rarely feels bitter at home at ML Rose Stadium, sponsored by uh, the Carolina Panthers or whatever you said, that Nashville I think actually, presented by might be what I said. I don't know. I, they, I just came off the top. I just I come up with these things. They rarely feel bitter at home at ML Rose Stadium, we will say, which means that Nashville devoured some Carolina sweets this past week. oh they did oh my goodness look at this guy he's Brought a pro this is why he's a pro so we're going to do the sponsor read right now and then we'll go straight later on from the early shout <laughs> to the mailbag and uh and tim i think um i don't even know where to go with that well okay there, there's a barbecue war right in in the carolinas right so western carolina has the sweet western carolina like you know the, the kind that's similar maybe to what yeah. we have here 
uh, the east eastern side has the vinegar based and then mm-hmm. in south carolina there's the mustard the mustard based what do you prefer what's your go-to of those um you know shockingly i i tend to be a little bit of a mustard guy i really like maybe the the memphis style or the the kansas city style the like really smoky and and thick stuff mm-hmm. but of the carolina styles i do like the mustard a lot um i guess charlotte is like 10 minutes away from South Carolina. So it makes the most sense. Maybe it's, maybe it's just recency bias for me, but that is one that I really like. And, and potentially it's because the Carolina sweets has the mustard base. On. It's I'm obsessed with it. You, you try and, and pivot every single week in, in the ad read. And I'm like, no, 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 it's the Carolina sweets. Wes, this is the Carolina sweets segment. It's so good. But the reason it's so good <laughs> for those of you who haven't heard our 28,000 previous mentions of the Carolina sweets, I think they're actually giving small sample size a run for its money at this point and in number of mentions on the show. It's it's so good because it's not just the sweet potato fries. It's covered in the pulled pork and then it's got that that mustard style sauce. And I've said it before on the show. I never knew what to put on sweet potato fries. I don't do ketchup. I don't do mustard on them. Like I don't know. I never know what to put on sweet until and Tim, you're the one who persuaded me to try this. We were there together and you said, try the Carolina sweets. You'd mentioned them on the show a couple of times. I did. And my mind was blown. I think the versatility of the mustard style sauce in that iteration, it's unbelievable. It's unreal. Yeah. And, and if you're a person who is not typically into the mustard style sauce, it's not, it's it's tangy, but it's not so tangy that it'll turn you off. It is really a, a versatile sauce in addition to just being really good on, t- on top of the sweet potato fries with the pulled pork, a, a versatile dish with a versatile sauce. What a, what a place to to you know come up with such things and what a place that we are so thankful um sponsors the show yeah my aforementioned friend who ran into me by the way at the non-ml rose restaurant this past weekend made sure that that i knew as well that um next time he's talking his kids into ml rose and skipping the place where they went and he actually said his wife and i had their first date there at ml rose and they have an eight-year tradition of visiting on christmas day on top of normal visits during the year so yes, love to hear it. It's it's a it's a gathering place. So even if you don't like the Carolina sweets for whatever dumb reason, because your subjective take is wrong, um, <laughs> it's still a great place. You know, to as subjective takes are. I, I did the whole Twitter thing, I guess, for a second there that your opinion is wrong. But uh, there there are many other many other things you can get and enjoy. But it's about the gathering place as well. And uh, MLRO is certainly a special place. Check out Eighth Avenue before the Columbus match. Or uh, maybe you can catch some U.S. Open Cup action there Tuesday night if you're listening to this in time. Okay, back to the games now. We've talked about Miami and Charlotte. Let's revisit briefly our expectations for the month. Uh, we had been asked, what's a what's a good point total? What's an expectation? I'd set a floor of like six or seven points, and 11 would be a nice expectation. You said, quote, anything better than 10, and this team is cooking well. They're at 10. They're cooking some Carolina sweets with one game left in league play this month against Columbus. So looking good, Tim, uh, to meet my expectation of 11 and quote, anything better than 10. I think this team's going to be cooking. Yeah. And um, I would go so far as to say a a result against Miami uh, this evening when most people are listening is is enough to say that's better because you're advancing in a cup competition League points, yes, you don't move up the table if you don't, um, you know, get at least a result against Columbus. Uh, I don't think they need to get a result against Columbus to feel really good about the way this has gone. Um, like we've mentioned multiple times already, you know, eight uh, undefeated, six wins among those. 
Yes, that includes a, a win over a USL team. Yes, that includes uh, a, a pretty uh, haggardly win over FC Dallas in the US Open Cup after that. But this team, even if they even if they you know max out at 10 points, they feel like they're doing a ton better because of those US Open Cup games, because of the way that um, it, it's, I don't want to say it's felt easy other than the Charlotte match, but it has felt like they have found their stride. And it feels like even if they were to lose to Columbus this weekend, um, that it's not the end of the world because they have found what they are going to do, what they are trying to do. And it feels like they can they can accomplish what they're trying to do in games going forward. Uh, Miami, 6.30 p.m. Tuesday. So tonight, for those of you listening on Tuesday, uh, Nashville's going to lose. That's that's what I got here. I think they're going to rotate heavily uh, against a team that they'd be better than that we just saw. They're better than, uh, you know, first choice versus first choice. I, I wonder if Hani Mukhtar even makes the trip. I think that Gary puts him at such a high minute count in those two uh, two matches this past week because he knows he's going to rest him in midweek. Uh, Walker probably still not ready, so your center back depth is tested here. And I think Nashville's focused on the league right now. I think they are focused more on Columbus than Miami. And if this is a home game against Miami, I think the equations may be a tiny bit different, but having to travel all the way to South Florida midweek and come back to play a good Columbus team I think they lose. And I think Miami has not a lot to play for right now, except for Phil Neville's mm-hmm. job. And they've got a cup opportunity to try to claim something out of the season. I think they're going to be more up for this than Nashville will. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I just think they aren't a good enough team that no matter how seriously they take this visa <laughs> That's a fair take. play, that it, that it means a whole lot. Yes, Nashville can still go out and lay an egg, but I don't think Miami taking it seriously means, oh, all of a sudden, uh, Miami is the better team. Uh, we saw six days ago exactly how much better Nashville was, and and while it ended in just a two-one win for Nashville, it was it, it was ugly in terms of how dominant they really were. Um, yes, there are, can be questions asked about about finishing on the offensive end or anything like that, but it it really it really was a game that was was borderline dominant, and I don't think. Um, even, you know, Miami coming out with their A team, um, and Leslie and Al Messi signed and nobody heard about it. <laughs> I don't think Miami's A team is as good as Nashville's B team. Um, yes, I think the one factor here could be the the travel for Nashville because we saw against Charlotte, they they came out and they started flat. If you do that in Miami for the second match in a row, maybe you don't come all the way back. Nashville barely mm-hmm. came all the way back this Saturday. But I do think this team is is equipped to win, and and we'll see if they do. They're definitely equipped to win, for sure. Um, I think if they had their pick, they'd take the, the Columbus weekend game over Miami. And that goes to Wesley Bryant's question. With Supporter Shield within striking distance and Nashville not even in our final form, he says, and with U.S. Open Cup away for the foreseeable future. Remember, um, editor's note here, if they, if they beat Miami, they've got to go away to Birmingham or Memphis uh, does that change your feelings on if we should push for it or save it for what could be a crazy good MLS season? And here again, I think you play a B side here. You trust that if you make the quarterfinals a a one B side, if you will, maybe a you know half starter, half reserve squad can win on the road at a USL team in the in the round of eight, and then you go for it. But I think this week, where I think Wesley, your question is of course the most pressing. I think you put out a B side and you try to grit one out. And maybe you just rely on that defense to push things to penalties and and see what you can muster. I think what you have just said is probably what will happen. But you're <laughs> going to say what to be very happen. clear. <laughs> but uh, you are you are what is this round of sixteen? So you're you're four, four games, games away. away from a trophy here. Uh, you you 
you go for the four game trophy rather than the the trophy that's still uh 20 games away you know um it's it's not going to be easy but like you mentioned nashville travels to memphis or birmingham those are both shorter trips those are both usl championship sides you can go out there and 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 you beat the best team in USL already in this competition, I would say. So um, you have a little bit of confidence and I, Miami, 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 you can, you can put out a two thirds uh, best team and still beat Miami, I think. And if you do that, you're feeling really good against the USL side. All of a sudden you're in a semifinal. You are two games away from your first CONCACAF champions league uh, entrance. Uh, Yes, you want to win the Supporters Shield, but um, there are 11 games until the League's Cup break. And obviously my my take on the League's Cup has has long been you beat the Mexican team and then you worry about the rest of it uh, <laughs> as it unfolds. But also you aren't very far from just saying, OK, we if we really need to, we have effectively a month break um, we can we can we can add a 12th game before that break and and. It's not going to stress us too much. We'll we'll focus on the U.S. Open Cup over league play for now, and there's plenty of runway to come back and and do what we want to do, accomplish our goals in the league too. That might mean no supporters shield, but if you finish second in the Eastern Conference, which is where Nashville sits right now, you're you're not too concerned about it because you're also setting yourself up for a really good run in the postseason. Yeah, too. yeah. Top four in the East is a successful season, and they can certainly manage that while you know, maybe dropping a couple results here and there. But for me also... Trophies, Wes. But with, Trophies. Uh, yes, indeed. But with Gold Cup coming up this summer as well, you know, they're, they're going to lose some some key players at times. Granted, they've been playing without Walker for a while now. Um, but I, I think you, you bank the points when you're in good form in league play and trusting that you're not always going to be there. And you do what you can to try to bank those against Columbus, who I think mm-hmm. we both believe is going to be in the mix for a top four spot, even as they are recovering from a brutal loss at Cincinnati. Uh, in hell's real uh, and, and getting you ready quickly for Columbus. Then three, two losers to Cincinnati broke a three game winning streak in all competitions. And uh, with their full lineup in there with Zeller on and with Cucho in, this is a team that looks pretty formidable. Um, they'll go to Pittsburgh Wednesday. So tomorrow for most of you, uh, and then we'll visit Nashville. I think they will threaten Nashville um, if the boys and gold aren't ready, or if they do devote too much attention to, uh, to the open cup. Yeah, I mean, this Columbus team is really good. They've fallen off their their early season, basically blistering form. But you just mentioned a couple guys. Like, how many teams in this league wouldn't trade their best two players for Zellerion and, oh and Cucho? I yeah. mean, most teams would probably do that. I don't think Nashville would trade Hani Mukhtar for anybody. But, but, or Walker, no. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think this is a team that, even if you feel like you are better than them, they have the weapons to beat you on a given night. Uh, it's kind of the, any given Sunday, but any given, well, I guess this week it is Sunday. So, hey, there we go. Uh, shout out to Oliver Stone, director of the 1999 <laughs> film, Any Given Sunday. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is not a team that Nashville can can take lightly and beat. They are not Inter-Miami, to put, to put it bluntly, in terms of how I've referred to Inter-Miami a couple times already. Um, but they are one that you you put a little bit more it's it's basically a six pointer it's early in the year to call it a six pointer because of how much season is left to be played maybe columbus continues kind of struggling like they have been over the past couple weeks but i think nashville sees itself as a, a top 4 team in the east i think columbus sees itself as a top 4 team in the east if you win this game that is a ton of separation um certainly in terms of drawing it you're you're 
you know, three points versus versus even. And if you lose it, that you're you're down three. I'm describing to everybody what a six pointer is. So they don't know, <laughs> but um, this is a Columbus team that that anticipates being in some of these positions where Nashville wants to occupy it in the table at the end of the year. And and both teams should come out very, you know, guns ablaze trying to to do everything they can to get this match. Yeah, Zellerion versus Mukhtar could end up being this year's version of Driussi versus Mukhtar in, you know, two of the best. Except one important counterpoint is Columbus is actually good. Good. Yes, so. they are. Yes, they are. And they are the uh, second highest scoring team in the Eastern Conference right now that hasn't translated to the road where they have just seven road goals, but they've conceded the second most yeah. road goals. I was going to say their, their defense sucks. <laughs> just one clean sheet on the road, and it came against a DC team before DC was even halfway decent which I might accuse them of being now. DC and... Nope. Scrub it, scrub it. (laughs) No, that's okay. That was an effort. Erase it. You can't spell decent without DC. Uh, For sure. There you go. On to the mailbag now. Jared Siemens, given the current place in the table, where do you expect us to be when the summer window opens? And again, that's basically July 4th weekend. Where do you expect Nashville to be at the end of the season? He says, I'm assuming you have a good idea who we're bringing in, but just aren't telling us. Uh, Jared, I thank you for giving us that credit. Um, yeah, no, I, I will, I will pull back the curtain, be very honest. I do not know, uh, when, when they signed Ake Loba, uh, and when you and I have talked about their signing of Ake Loba contemporaneously to, to then and contemporaneously to now we were like, Hey, we knew all along what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I literally do not know who is actually going to be signed in the summer window, who the top target is in the summer window. So, so uh, very transparent, um, Maybe I'll find out between now and then, sure. <laughs> but at this stage, do not know. Current place in the table, second place. I think anywhere from first to fourth is is realistic. And anything worse than that is is slightly disappointing. End of the season, it does depend on who that signing is. If it's somebody who really kind of opens your eyes, uh, uh, potentially anything less than supporters shield. If, if they're in second at that point and then they sign... Um, Messi, I'm, I'm just joking because obviously he's he's signing <laughs> with um, uh, El Haj in, in Saudi Arabia, but, <laughs> Shanghai but City. No, but I mean, if they sign somebody who can really who can really change the game and complement Hani Mukhtar, most importantly, um, it, I supporter shield could be a realistic goal. Um, but you know, a, t- a top four seed in the Eastern Conference, I think, both by the opening of that window and by the end of the season, is is a minimum. So. The expectations have gotten really high over the past couple of weeks with the way this club has been playing. And the, and I think you and I both felt um, they were kind of being a little over denigrated by fans because they, I think there's a natural pessimism as part of that, but part of it is just because the results weren't quite there. And, and we felt like um, kind of the underlying stats were a little bit more positive on this team. Yeah. I think this team has some really interesting 50, 50 road matches in June that are going to, be very telling as to where they're going to be able to finish this year. Uh, four of the next five after this Columbus home match are away from home. All of them are against teams who either should beat or, or should contend to get a result against I'd say at Columbus being very easily the hardest of those toward the end of the stretch, but you go to Dallas, decent team, but beatable to Toronto, hot mess. You need to get three points there to Montreal. Who's been much, much better at home and still pretty shoddy on the road. And then Columbus with, they, post- but they've been, they've been better overall over the course of the season yeah. too. This is not the Montreal that you, that you know from the beginning they're of the year. Yeah. Definitely not the same one that Nashville saw in the what second game of the season. 
Um, and then they host St. Louis, who we agree the numbers are very flattering too, but you can't argue with a 4-0 win over their rivals uh, there against SKC. You will try to argue with it for sure, but they are far exceeding their XG. I'm not going to not gonna argue with any of that. 1985 Chicago Bears SKC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the fridge. The fridge got that touchdown and Walter Payton didn't, and I'm still mad he about did, that. Yeah. It's yeah. unacceptable. Um, so I think it's going to be telling. I don't think this is a team that that probably will be in second place when the window opens in early July. Because I think those road matches could take their toll, but I also don't think they're going to drop back to seventh. I think they're they might take a small a small um, speed bump, but they're going to be in a good in a good place. Uh, Wesley Bryant asking, don't we have to give Hani some rest at some point? It seems like he goes a full ninety every MLS game. Is this another symptom of Leal's injury? Yeah, it is. And I again leaned over to my seatmates on. Wednesday night against Miami. And I said, guys, I can't believe Hani's still in 80, 85 minutes in. He goes, I think almost the full 90, like almost two yeah, stops. He, he, he was pulled out in the, in the 89th minute. Yeah. Um, but obviously including first half stoppage time, that's, that's a full 90 minutes. So, so my theory then was, yeah. look, it's a game on turf. Maybe Hani only comes in for 30 in the second half against Charlotte. It was going to surprise me if that happened, but it also surprised me. He was playing as long as he did clearly was not affected two 90-minute games basically in two weeks or two in in one week. And uh, that's why I think he sits against Miami and that's when he gets that rest. And I think that's been the plan all along. Yeah, I I asked him about it uh, on Saturday evening and he said, um... If they asked me to play two 90s in a day, I would do it. Of course he would. Two 90s in a week, so... Of course he um, would. Obviously, he's he's going to say that, but realistically, at a certain point, you do have to let the guy get some rest. Um... Again, can you beat Miami without him? Potentially, would you prefer to? Would, he's going to be on the bench, I think, because uh, you want to have that option if if the game goes sideways. Um, you mentioned that he might not even travel. It would a possibility, but it would be it would disappoint me because it does kind of indicate that that Nashville's shipping the U.S. Open Cup and they don't care about it. But um, yeah, at at a certain point you look at what Nashville's schedule looks like and they aren't going to have midweek games and they certainly are not going to have midweek games three out of four weeks like they have, you know, over the past couple of weeks here and including this week. Um, so there will be more opportunities to rest him. I do think when the games get a little bit easier, you just mentioned a bunch of teams that are not uh, among the luminaries of MLS. He might be more of a 65 minute player than he has been over the past few weeks, but he's been needed over the past few weeks to go basically 90. And that's Mm -hmm. what has really kind of led to it. And Nashville is going to say, if we need to win a game, Hani Mukhtar is the guy that's going to make that happen. There's a reason that he's, he's not the most outstanding player. He is the most valuable player. That means something because he is valuable to Nashville. He is valuable to their chances to win matches. And as long as they need him to do that, they will. A quick one from NSC Stats with Schaffelberg and McNaughton both being named for the provisional Canadian Nations League roster and their strong run of form. Do you see a path to them receiving a call up? These are big rosters, Tim. We're talking like, I think, nearly 60 60 60 guys for each. So I'm not surprised to see either one of them on that list. I wouldn't be shocked to see Schaffelberg maybe mm-hmm. get a call up here, but I, I still yeah. mildly surprised And McNaughton playing really well, but I think there's still maybe another step he needs to go. It just depends on what John Herdman wants to do with the Canadian Nations League roster, I guess. Yeah, Schaffelberg wasn't too far from a World Cup call up. Um, Obviously, he was unlikely to play even if he did get called up. Uh, They have some really good wingers in Canada. But uh, McNaughton, I think, is is one who is is kind of in that because it's 60, he's on the list. I don't (laughs) think that he's a guy who's likely to play 
in a even in a summer tournament for Canada, it's really good to get that recognition. It's really good. It's good for Nashville that one of their players gets that recognition. But I think you're you're potentially losing Schaffelberg for a time this summer. Unlikely to lose McNaughton. So then that begs the question, when Walker is healthy, I think we'd both agree that McNaughton's done a really good job filling in for him. Jared Seaman's asking, does McNaughton move into Mayor's spot? Is either Mayor or McNaughton the clear starter opposite Walker? Yeah, I mean, it's it's Jack Mayer, right? <laughs> this is, uh, it's uh, pleasant that this question even is realistic. Absolutely because, it is, yeah. Because Mayer, Mayer was good enough that they're like, hey, we'll trade Dave Romney. And yes, some of it was Dave Romney was due for a raise. And when players are due for a raise, Nashville is willing to to get assets for them. We saw it in the case of Alistair Johnston as well. But at the same time, it has been the Walker Zimmerman, Jack Mayer pairing as, as a plan for a long time. And the fact that McNaughton is a non-ridiculous answer to who plays next to Walker Zimmerman going forward is a really good sign for how well Nashville has maneuvered this kind of roster situation that has arisen from the absence of Nick DePew. Yeah, let's absolutely give Mike Jacobs credit for identifying McNaughton as a target who would fit well this defense. So far, look, one one play that was a bit of a, a slip from him where he wasn't superhuman. He was merely a good, talented human. Uh, and, and that's against DC, and that's really about it. I love uh, as well that this question needs to be asked. I agree with your answer to it, but I'm going to make a guarantee that in one of these June road matches, Dallas, Toronto, Montreal, Columbus, if Walker is healthy, we will see a three-man back line with those three men in it at some point because they've all been solid. And you know there's going to be one of those games when Nashville's going to want to try to lock it down. And uh, I think we'll see that. Yeah, it's a possibility. And also, it's it's worth keeping in mind that both Dan Lovitz and Shaq Moore have played as center backs on their respective sides too. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of flexibility. It's not just... Mayor McNaughton and Zimmerman together, but you can play any two of those three and have the the right back or left back become the center back on that side and add a wing back. There's a lot more flexibility in this team than we have seen in a long time. And that's something that I think, um, you know, is, is kind of a bonus to what the core roster build has been, but it is something that indicates a smart roster build too. Couple of Walker and Nora Walker absence questions. Chris asking for an update on Zimmerman and NC stats. How screwed are we if Zim, Mac, and Shaq all receive call ups? Again, we don't think that's going to happen with Mac, but yeah. Zim and Zimmerman. I don't, I, I don't think it's going to happen with Shaq either. <laughs> you don't think so? You don't think that? I mean, the World Cup performance. I mean, he he might get best. he might get called up, but I think after the World Cup, people are looking for a guy who's not 27 years old. If he's not if he's not going to be in an incredible we have to start the sky level player. You look for a younger guy, probably. That's fair. But um, yeah, I mean, if Zimmerman gets called up, it seems like his, his ongoing injury will likely mean that he does not end up being on those rosters, which is really unfortunate for him. But depending on his, his recovery timeline, it ends up working out for Nashville in all likelihood. Um, I, I do think that Nashville has developed this depth. They have, Jack Mayer, again, we don't expect uh, McNaughton and Shaq to get called up. Uh, probably not either of them to get called up. There is enough depth here. Um, you would like to have one more player. Let's uh, call him um, Dick Nepew. No, we won't do it. We'll just say, we'll just <laughs> say Nick Nepew. at all. <laughs> no, we won't do that. We won't do that at all. <laughs> but um, you would prefer to have one more player, but there is enough depth that you can overcome this this uh, potential roster situation. That's why Nashville has has built the roster the way they have. Yeah, best of luck for Walker recovering quickly. I know it's taken. Oh a yeah, than sorry to answer liked. that question from Chris. You're good. 
the expectation is that he's back two weeks ago. It has been something <laughs> that has been pushed back a few times. There is no answer until the the delays to his recovery stop happening. There's only been a couple of them, but it's been, okay, we think he's going to be in full training on Wednesday. And then come Saturday, he's not in the lineup. We ask, oh yeah, he had a setback. There's no predicting that, right? So it's something where, yes, he's he's um, seen singing all too well by Taylor Swift at the Taylor Swift concert. Um, that's something that's way easier to do than playing professional soccer. It's not it's not like a choice that he made. It's no. um, you know potentially even you could consider it a path to recovery there too. But um, he is he's going to be available at you know at the point that he's available and at this stage. Um, you know, we have been expecting him to be available. And the fact that he's not just means, you know, you keep waiting until you don't hear about a setback in his uh, week to week recovery. Taylor could absolutely go full 90, by the way. She gets after it in those concerts. Keep hearing, keep hearing about that. Um, Stooks with uh, speculation time, he says, with the current run of form, with the missing key players and just knocking back results, how scary could this team be after the summer transfer window opens? Let's say it doesn't even have to be a home run signing, just average to above average DP. Uh, I think, you know, pretty scary. Uh, but again, it also gives them the luxury if they continue to play like they're playing uh, and stay relatively healthy, Tim, that they could not sign a player who's going to get acclimated right away. They've never signed a guy and had up top and had him acclimated right away. I mean, Yonder took some time. Ake yeah. never got there. Um, they don't have to put that kind of pressure on that player. It can be a bonus rather than a necessity. And that is, to Stukes' point, pretty freaking scary for the rest of the league. Yeah, um, Stukes do be hugging. Um, Indeed. Uh, there, was, there was some misinformation put out on the Assembly's uh, Twitter account uh, last week that Stukes was not hugging in a photo that they posted of him, but we'll let it slide this time. But, um, okay. Yeah, I mean, we we the way that you phrase that kind of points out that it's not necessarily a given that Nashville does add the kind of game-changing designated player um, that might be more like what Stuke says. It doesn't have to be home running to home run signing more of a just average to above average DP. I, I think it's possible that they don't even necessarily aim for an above average DP. They just kind of go with the flow and say, okay, a guy who can kind of solidify and bolster what we're doing. Um, that might not be a savory thing for Nashville SC fans to hear, but we're already seeing this team kind of trending towards scary for opposition. And so, um, you know, if you don't see it as necessary, and I think there are, are circumstances in which the front office doesn't see it as necessary, they're still really good despite only signing somebody who is who is um, not going to raise eyebrows but is going to add to the, the total picture. I'd rather take somebody who's adding to the total picture than, for example, adding Ake Loba, right? So <laughs> it is something to keep in mind that they don't necessarily need to add a game changer to to be scary at that stage. Uh, like Jay Oz's speculation of uh, maybe a Firmino. He says, is there any chance that Ian Air is looking at a fellow Liverpudlian as a DP number nine? Of course, Ian probably fueling a little a bit of that by uh, boasting a bit about his signing of Firmino and showing that picture in the occasion of what may have been Firmino's last game. Oh, that hair, man. Uh, The hair was different. (laughs) It was different. Um, I I don't think we're going to sit here and say, here are the odds that Bobby Firmino is coming to Nashville. I think they're extremely low. Um, Any, anything, any smoke to point to anything like that besides Ian Ayer doing what he's done before on social media and mentioning, mentioning Firmino. 
Uh, yeah. So when I read this question, I thought you meant Paul McCartney, you know, the Beatle Paul McCartney. Was he like, the number nine, though? I, yeah, this, I guess this, so. this man is 80 years old, dude. We do not need to be looking at Nashville signing an 80 year old man. No, let it be. Let um, it be. Yeah, that was yesterday. <laughs> hey, there you go. Hey, whoa. He just pulls it. Just I, I give myself credit every time I pull one off the top of the head. But there you go. But um, yeah, it would be great if Nashville could sign a guy like Bobby Firmino and um. You know, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Frankly, he'd be a perfect fit for what Nashville needs. He's also going to be sold to somebody for like $30 million. And I do not anticipate Nashville spending $30 million on a transfer fee. And it really is that simple. Unless he has such a positive opinion of Ian Eyre and um, the the uh, reporting out of the time that Firmino and Eyre overlapped at Liverpool was they got along, but they were not necessarily uh, the most tightly linked guys where he would follow Eyre to Nashville, Tennessee necessarily. I don't see it happening. It would be really good because of the fit, but yeah, I, I just don't see it happening. Logan asking the obvious question, he says, is it a pin on Schaffelberg? Yes. Yes, there's contact. It's a sloppy challenge. It disrupts the play. It is not the most contact you've ever seen. For me, I'll go so far as to say if it were a no call initially, I think the no call gets overturned as clear and obvious because of the contact that's there, even though it was minimal. I'm going to disagree with that latter part, but I wrote something out, so I'm just going to read it off of our rundown, Wes. Read it. <laughs> Baseline, it is not going to be overturned, uh, whichever way it had been on the field. Um, as it was, if you go to ground, if you are the defender and you go to ground, you had better get a piece of that ball, regardless of of whether you go to ground with an intention of hitting Schaffelberg. Uh, if you come even close to him and don't touch any ball, uh, you know, you're, you're going out of your way to, to say, Hey, call me for this. And that's what happened. If it happened in Nashville, the other way, I think people would be upset, but mm-hmm. by the finest of margins, it's the right call. I, I cannot guarantee I would be saying, saying the same thing if, if it had gone against Nashville, but I do think it was the right call. I don't think it would have been overturned if it had been called the other way. When you go to ground, miss, and make contact, you literally yeah. do not have. If you if you go to ground and miss, if you go to ground and miss, even if you even if you don't make contact, you have sacrificed any opportunity to complain about getting the call you, against. You literally don't have a leg to stand on. Yeah. in that yeah. situation, uh, Logan two to slide on. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. And to make the pun twice, I didn't know if you heard it the first time. Yeah. Logan says adjacently, do you think the no call on Fafa at the end of the first half had any bearing on the official giving the penalty in that scenario? Yeah, G- Gary Smith told us after the game that it might have had an impact. He, he kind of not he. I mean, he brought it up um, in terms of hey, that might have helped us with the other one because he felt he missed the call and 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 wanted to make up for it a little bit. But he felt that the no call on Fafa was actually ultimately correct, and I disagree. I I think you can play the advantage there because Fafa did get the cross off. That's absolutely fair. But it's a foul, whether it's two feet farther away from the goal where it's outside of the box or if it's any closer to the goal, it's probably a foul. So uh, therefore a penalty. I do think that it's not one that is a necessary call. Like I I guess similarly to the Schaffelberg one, if it doesn't get called, I wouldn't say that's absolutely an incorrect call. Um, I don't sit here today and say that's absolutely an incorrect call, but I think if you had the benefit of every angle and, and every opportunity to sit there and watch it over and over again and said, start from scratch, is this a foul? Yes. And then is this a penalty? It shouldn't be a different answer, but but I think a lot of people are going to yeah. give a different answer there. 
John Mueller closes out our mailbag. Each NSC player as a Taylor Swift lyric in honor of Walker's extended absence. I got a couple here. You got all you had to do is stay for Daniel Rios. Oh, um, we true. miss him. Uh, Charlotte also evidently <laughs> missing him as well. Uh, Should have said no for Ake Loba. Is that? Is that uh, <laughs> no, okay. Uh, going big picture, Good. I think if you look at the team, The Archer, uh, which is a song that I'm actually going to talk about the lyrics to, not just the title of, it makes a ton of sense. Um, it opens with Ready for Combat. I'm going to give everybody uh, the benefit of not having to hear me uh, sing it, but um, it's talking, it also talks about being the archer, being the prey, which is the, the I guess, typical going from being the hunter to the hunted sort of storyline, and that's something that Nashville has experienced so far. And also that song rocks. Uh, I really like that song. Uh, it shouldn't surprise anyone to know that I, I like Taylor Swift songs uh, a lot, but that is one that I like the most, so Shout out to that one as well. And unfortunately, uh, I was able to shoehorn it in here. <laughs> as well done. Uh, Joe Willis is blank space. Instead of clean sheet, we can call it blank space. Um, Honey Mukhtar, you belong with me. He always belongs in the 11, except maybe uh, Tuesday against Miami, as we discussed. Uh, Alex Mwil is the anti-hero because you think maybe he's the problem, it's him. But actually, yeah. he's a bit of a hero in his own right. And also, he just shows ones. up and he's like, it's me. Hi. And people are like, Ugh. <laughs> Oh, exactly. Walker Zimmerman, uh, Cardigan, because he's fashionable, right? Uh, by the way. I think I think Walker Zimmerman all too well because of the viral Instagram video of Walker Zimmerman singing all too uh, well at the yeah. Taylor Swift concert a couple weeks ago. There. Uh, David Akam uh midnights because that's when he pretty much scored the the first ever mm-hmm. uh road goal in Taylor's version or um no Washington wasn't playing in that game I don't think <laughs> hey when you said when you said Taylor's earlier I was like oh yes yes Taylor Taylor Washington you were talking about Taylor Swift that was very confused. Yeah. uh yeah uh fearless Anibal Godoy in midfield evermore how long Dax will play in this league forever uh, is that is that pretty good? Do, do we do yeah, okay? No, on you, that? you you went with much more breadth. I went with uh, two dumb references and then one with a little bit of depth. <laughs> Final one I'll go with nineteen eighty nine for any player on Nashville SC's roster uh, that is thirty four years old because that's when they'd be born. It's nineteen eighty nine. You got it. Yeah, it just wasn't funny. It was just math. That's what that was. Yeah, uh, you did a, you did a math. I did a math, uh, which I rarely do successfully. Moving outside in now. What's very have... funny to me is zero players on National SC's roster were born in 1989. That's so unfortunate. What a miss, but also yeah, we, we got some, we got some, uh, we got some 88s, we got some 90s, but, but that's I oh guess my God, that's... Bunbury was born in the 90s. This is not okay for me. <laughs> I guess that's your gold nugget for the <laughs> for the week. Birth dates of players. Uh, for outside in. I'm going to play a clip right now, and that clip is going to be whatever game you're about to talk about. Carlos Vela, penalty kick, the slow run-up, takes it and tucks it in! I actually really liked the San Jose LAFC game. Um, the, the way it played out was not maybe the most exciting, but it was two teams that I think are going to be top of the West at the end of the season. So... Uh, San Jose people are right to doubt, I think, based on the way the past couple of years have gone, but they, they went toe to toe with LAFC. LAFC is far and away the best team in this league. I think they might have a slight drop off because of CONCACAF champions league. Whenever uh, they, they kind of run up against a wall with their depth. 
but San Jose went up there uh, against them and said, Hey, we're, we're going to, we're going to do everything that we can to, to try and maybe claim this mantle. And, and LAFC said, it, it's still us, man. We, we are still, it's me. Hi, I'm the LAFC. It's me or whatever <laughs> to, to tie it back together. But um, I thought that was great. Of course, the hell is real Derby that we've already mentioned a couple times in the show was really mm-hmm. good. I think um, um, Columbus is maybe not quite as good on the road that could portend better for Nashville this weekend than I think I uh, uh, was willing to give Nashville credit for earlier in the show. But um, it is a situation where um, Cincinnati got a little bit of luck to get that victory. And it's something that um, there were there were a couple of those games where his teams at the top of each conference battling and the battles lived up to expectations. Thanks to Apple TV for the clip of Carlos Velo's 95th minute penalty winner over San Jose to seal three points for LAFC. So that Nashville, not the only team with a uh, PK stoppage time winner in a 2-1 win. Pass MVP. Wow. It's all coming together. Nashville and LAFC, basically the same team. Gareth Bale yes. to Nashville yeah. this uh, this July. Uh, quickly on the launch pad, uh, we probably actually deserve to give this more time. So uh, we'll pin this and talk more Huntsville as we go. But how about Huntsville getting the win over Crown Legacy? Randall Al, by the way, getting the start. Yeah, was, yeah. And yet he wasn't, to me, the player that stood out on the pitch. And he looks good, by the way. Good yeah. working his way back into fitness. But Jonathan Bolaños uh, gets on the score sheet. And everything Huntsville did ran down that left side, literally ran down that left side. He was incredibly active. He deserved the goal, even from that left left wing back, left back position. He was a lot of fun to watch. And this Huntsville team delivered in a big, big moment for that city and that club. Yeah, and Bolaños is one that um, Nashville SC fans um, probably remember as a name. He wasn't in USL when Nashville was in USL. They didn't quite overlap, but he was somebody who was kind of uh, you know, that that next level, he's going to be a USL star. And that proved to be the case at Richmond uh, in 2020 um, until um, this season when he finally um, hopped up to MLS Next Pro. I guess it would technically be a hop down, but um, Nashville will not <laughs> regret that he got that opportunity because he has been incredible over the course of the year. And um, we've talked about Azad Liotti before because he's the goal scoring kind of guy and he was uh, one of those um, this weekend as well, but the engine that makes the 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 team run is a guy like Bolaños, and he's been incredible. and And I think um, not necessarily somebody who's going to be a a Nashville C player in the in the near term or possibly even the long term, but he's somebody who is doing everything he can to earn that opportunity, and that's exactly what Huntsville is for. A good question from Scott to close out the show: What's the city of Huntsville's expectations for? Huntsville City FC. They spent $29 million renovating Joe Davis Stadium. Also, are the fans entitled to demand on-field results? He says, I know it's a development league, but all clubs are using developmental players, so it evens out. I mean, I think that year one, there's going to be a honeymoon anyway. Um, yeah. Honeymoon? I don't know if he's going to ever play there. Uh, I think that they're going to be happy to have a team and uh, hope that they win. But I, I think, you know, should they expect results? Like the way the club has set this up as Huntsville being a separate entity at least in branding and in city yeah i think that they should hope for good results and demand good results even if that's maybe not nashville sc's priority with this club yeah i don't think nashville um puts huntsville city out on the field the saying your number one priority is to go out and win every single game to go and win mls next pro to go and win the championship here we want you to develop our players but that 
as as Scott mentions, is the goal for almost every MLS Next Pro team is to develop players for the first team. I think the fact that Huntsville is in a separate um, area, they do have this beautiful $29 million renovation to Joe Davis Stadium. Uh, They are undefeated at Joe Davis Stadium. They want to go out and entertain the people of Huntsville. They want to go out and win games. I think providing an entertaining home product is is probably a priority over necessarily topping the MLS Next Pro table. I'm going to be very honest. Uh, Their priorities are probably develop players for Nashville C, uh, be entertaining and win at home. And then whatever you can do in the table is, is a priority, but that's fine too. I think the, the state of Alabama and, and the Northern portion of Alabama, that's maybe slightly too far to drive for every single home game, home Nashville SC match, I should say, uh, even though, you know, we have, we have our listeners who, who uh, proudly drive probably a lot. Than yeah, they're bakers. Like, every so often. Yeah. K Baker. Um, you, you got a few, who do stuff like that. Chris Ivy does it as well. Mm-hmm. You need to kind of balance your priorities and, and some of it is going to be supporting the community that you're in. And that community is Huntsville for that team. Even if their, their number one mandate is to support Nashville SC. They should be really happy not only to have a team, but to have a, a, a club that I think really does care about giving them an entertaining product and uh, glad they were able to be entertained by that product for the first ever win in regulation for that club. Final whistle, quick brag before we head out of here. Um, at one brief point the other night, I was number one in Major League Soccer worldwide. Uh, oh boy, fantasy. that was so good for you. This was I, apparently it was a double match week. Horrible time to not set my team. <laughs> double failure for Tim. Still doing okay. I, in the I, I was. I I went like Saturday morning. I was like, okay, separate match dates. I'll just go set my team. I'm like, nope, double match week. Done. Already stuck with you guys. Uh, yeah. 195 points for me. And by the way, uh, Finn Breland, a liar. He named his team. I'll never check up on you. And he checked up. He had 123 points. He had a great week. Not good. I've, I've checked up occasionally. This was the one week that I forgot to, and it was horrible for me. Well, I told Finn, I said, hey, you're a liar. You, you called your team. I'll never check up on you. And you checked up. He said, I did it for you. I did it for you. Well, screw you, Finn. Just kidding. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, and sorry you didn't beat me. And Tim, maybe you'll check well, up. He, he, instead of never checking up on you, decided to see this all the way through, as it were. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Uh, we're going to head on out now. Uh, thanks to ML Rose for the burgers and sponsorship. Moon Taxi for the music. Hop on Apple Podcasts. A few of you have done this recently. Rate, review, subscribe. Tell a friend about the show. Follow us each on Twitter. Thanks to the 440 Sports Network. It's been another busy week. Open Cup Tuesday, Columbus Sunday. We'll talk to you after all of the madness.